Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. How's everybody doing? How's everybody doing? Good to be back from a Sela Sunday, back together with the family. Anybody? A couple people? All right. All right. Well, we're starting a new series uh, this morning for the next five weeks. It's called 514. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you're like me, but there's certain passages of Scripture that are just go-tos that, um, that I go back to, read time and time again. One of those for me is Joshua chapter 1. Uh, another one for me is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is such great instructional truth uh, in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. That's a hard word to say. Say that 10 times. Um, it's just so powerful. Short instructions, but so powerful. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. It's one of them. Always be joyful is another one. If you want to know what to do, always be joyful. Like it's just, it's just good for the soul to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So if you are ever struggling with what to read in your Bible, there's a good chapter for you, 1 Thessalonians 5. So a few months ago, I was reading that chapter, and verse 14 jumped out to me. Imagine that, verse 14 jumping out to me. Some of you will get that later. And it says this. This is from the Passion Translation. We appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, to instruct those who are not in their place of battle. Be skilled at gently encouraging those who feel themselves inadequate. Be faithful to stand your ground. Help the weak to stand again. Be quick to demonstrate patience with everyone. There's just one verse in this chapter, and it's got five instructions. In it. So for the next five weeks, we're going to take these instructions line by line and dive into them. Some are gentle, and some are not. Today, it's going to be a little strong. Instruct those who are not in their place in battle. Two weeks ago, we had a, a 214 celebration, right? We had, you know, how it started, how it's going, and we celebrated what God's done in the last seven years. I mean, that was, that was an incredible Sunday. I don't know about you, but that just, man, it gave me joy in my heart to see what God's built what Jesus has built in and through faithful people in the last seven years. And, and we're far from being done. We've got a lot of work to do, and it's going to be a great journey ahead. So we are always going to celebrate. But today we're going to have a little family meeting. You're like, uh-oh, I came to church on the wrong day. <laughs> no, it's going to be good. See, God has to continually cut away at our hearts. And if we shy away from that, man, we are doing ourselves and him a disservice. Amen. Yesterday, I asked my daughter, Jules, I said, hey, come here for a second. Um, yeah, you can wave. That's you. No, no, not, don't come here. Just wave at me. Hi. But yesterday, I asked you, I said, hey, when, when dad, in our family, when dad says, hey, it's time for a family meeting, what goes through your mind? And I, I, knew, I, I knew this answer would be perfect for today. She said this. She said, well, either we're in trouble or we're going to talk about Jesus. Usually a little of both. So today I'm going to admonish you. 
and myself. I'm going to instruct you. I'm going to warn you. But I'm also going to encourage you. And yes, it always, always, always will go back to Jesus. Instruct those who are not in their place in battle. Some other translations say it even stronger. Warn those who are unruly. Yikes. Admonish those who are out of line. Warn those who are idle and disruptive. So that, that word unruly or that word not in their place, it's a Greek word, ataktos. And it means this. It's, it's, it's thinking of it in a, a soldierly concept, in a wartime concept, someone who is disorderly or out of ranks as so often a soldier might be or deviating from the prescribed order or rule. Instruct those who are not in their place in battle. Some of us in this room, some of you in the podcast, I think all of us in one way or another are out of place. Maybe unruly, disorderly, and so we're gonna encourage ourselves today to find our place in battle. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we just submit to you right now. We want you to have your way in us, in our hearts. Do all that you have in mind. We are with you, Jesus, heart and soul. I pray that you would cut things off of us that need to be removed, that you would expose things in our lives that need to be exposed, that you would bring light to dark places, that God, that you would bring us back into the battle, that you would instruct our hearts, that you would warn our hearts in these next few minutes so that we can go forward as soldiers of yours, as ones who are called to a fight. And it's so awesome because we already fight from a place of victory. But God, we cannot have our heads stuck in the sand. We cannot ignore the times and seasons that we are in. So God, would you instruct us from your throne room where everything is perfectly under control, where you are setting up one of the greatest seasons that this earth has ever seen, the return of your son, Jesus. And so God, may our hearts cry be, come, Lord Jesus. Maybe we let the things of this world just fall off of us. As you shake and rattle the earth, may the things that appealed to us yesterday fall off of us today. And may the only cry of our heart be, your kingdom come, your will be done, be established. Heaven falling to earth, being established. The kingdoms of this world becoming the kingdoms of our God. And we get a front row seat. You have chosen us for just a time and season as this. So we cast out fear. And we just bring perfect love, your love, into our hearts and into this place and to every person who listens to this podcast. And it's in the name of Jesus that we all prayed. Amen. Yesterday morning, I woke up with this verse and thought on my heart, and it's from 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, 
and maybe you'll remember this story, maybe you won't, but King David was the king at the time of Israel. And it says in 2 Samuel 11.1, 1, it says, In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbath. But David remained in Jerusalem. See, it was, a, it was a season, it was a time when kings, David the king, should have gone off to war. But he stayed and remained in Jerusalem. And the consequences to his life were devastating. Pause that thought for just a moment. Let's, if you have 1 Thessalonians 5 open in your Bibles, which I'd encourage you to do so, open that up again. Let's see how Paul starts off this chapter to the church. It's very interesting. He says, now concerning the times and seasons. That's the word epoch there, that kairos moment. There's, a, there's special times and seasons that you were made for, to step into. He says, brothers, you have no need of anything about this written to you, because they were fully aware. You yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So then let us not sleep. Let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Having put on, here's the weapons, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of the hope of salvation. Faith, hope, love, all weapons. Back to David, it was a time and season where kings went off to war, but David remained in Jerusalem. What happened to David because he was not in the right place at the right time? Well, in his laziness, in his comfort, he got up one morning, he walked out to his rooftop, and he spied the most beautiful girl he had ever seen. He had an affair with her. In order to cover up the affair, yeah, I know, right? In order to cut up the, cut, uh, cover up the affair, he murdered Bathsheba's husband, who was in the place that David was supposed to be at, at war. And it all started because he wasn't in his place in battle. Instruct those to be in their place in battle. Listen carefully, my friends. This is a season of war. This is an epoch, a kairos moment of war. This is a battle, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of this dark world. The trick is, gets very tricky, because they manifest through people that we're not supposed to attack, that we're not supposed to love. And the only thing that can cut between the demonic and humans that God loves is that sword of the spirit. It cuts between soul and spirit. And I'm telling you, I don't have my Bible up here right now. Well, this, this is one. If you are not in the word in this season, 
like you've never been in the word before, I would beg you, get in the word. Turn off the news. I don't care right wing, left wing, high wing, low wing. Turn it off. Get in the real news, the word of God. It will tell you everything that is true. And that is how you know that you will not be deceived. You can walk into any situation. If you have the word, if you're ingesting the word, it's got to be living inside of you. There may be a day, God forbid, where we get our Bibles taken away from us. Get it inside of you. It's living, it's active, it will change your life. This is a season of war. And when the church of Jesus Christ sticks her head in the sand, when we behave as though the battle isn't real all around us, we, like David, become the target. We make ourselves vulnerable to the attack and defeat from the enemy. We are in a season of warfare and we must go off to war. It's the springtime when kings went out to war. You are a king and a priest. It's time to go to battle. Otherwise, we fall into the trap of the world and the traps of Bathsheba. You've heard me say it for almost two years now. We're in a winnowing season. Jesus is separating the chaff, that worthless part of the grain, from the wheat. He's separating the junk, cutting stuff off your heart if your heart is soft enough to let it be cut away. He's separating the church from the world. He's calling us out once again. See, for far too long, the world has had way too much influence on the church. Should never have been. The church is supposed to have influence on the world, not the other way around. And Jesus right now in this season, he's once again in his temple and he's flipping tables. He's preparing you and I, the bride, for his return. And the church in North America for far too long has been far too passive. We can no longer pretend that we're part of the world. We have to come out and be separate. We can no longer dance around sin. We can no longer do that in the pretense of loving people. To love people it has to be with grace and truth. It's also an amazing season, a winnowing season. It's, it's creation happening again. See, that's what the return of Jesus is. It's, we're in this groaning of all the earth, and it's crying out rocks, trees, rivers, mountains, your heart. It's crying out for something more than the world can offer you. It's crying out for him. And it's re, being reestablished, recreated. That's what we're coming into this time. And so Jesus is preparing you, his bride, for his return. What happened at the beginning of creation? Do you remember? When God first created the heavens and the earth, he created light and darkness. And he, he cre created these things, but then he separated them. And there's once again a separation happening for this recreation that he's bringing back. He is separating the kingdoms of this world from the kingdoms of our God. And those that have eyes to see, things are becoming clear. Didn't say it was always easy to see. But it's like, you know, when you go to the optometrist and you put that mechanism over your eyes and he flips the different slides. You know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, as he flips, you can see the letters becoming 
clear. See, if, you're, if your eyesight is being filtered through the word of God, the things of this world become clear. The things of our God become clear and they come into focus. And the appeal of the world falls away. But the appeal and the desire for more of Jesus grows stronger and stronger and stronger. I didn't say that you and I are in the world, right? We agree with that. And we are to influence the world and love the world. But we also have to come out and be separate from the world. It's the tension that we live in. And we have to make a decision. Do we either cling to Jesus or do we cling to the world? Because there's no middle ground anymore. It's separating very quickly. The church can no longer just put makeup on sin anymore. I'm talking about my sin. I'm talking about your sin. Yes, we love people, but loving people is telling them the truth. As hard as it might be sometimes. In grace, yes. In love, yes. But to love people is to call them who God really intended and created them to be. So Paul says, instruct those who are not in their place in battle. Instruct those who are out of place. Instruct the unruly. Instruct those who are disorderly. We're going to spend the rest of today in the Old Testament in Nehemiah. If you take your Bibles and turn, turn to Nehemiah chapter 3. My guy Kip here preached an amazing message a couple years ago on this chapter in our Rebuilt series. If you uh, find yourself needing to listen to that message, I would encourage you strongly. It's on Apple Podcasts. All the messages are on Apple Podcasts now. Yes, yeah, subscribe to that. That's, there you go. There's your advertisement of the day. It'll do you well. So Nehemiah, just a quick overview if you're not familiar with him. Nehemiah was a Jew that lived in exile in Persia. And he had heard these reports of the walls of Jerusalem, his homeland, how they lay in ruins. And it, it burdened him. God gave him this special and unique burden to rebuild those walls. And he wept. And it's so interesting. He prayed to God in the first chapter. He prayed to God. And then um, he was positioned correctly in that time and season to do something extraordinary. He was the cupbearer of the king. And I want to say to you in this place, there's cupbearers of the kings in this place. Don't take for granted the place that you are positioned right now. Your job is to listen for what the voice of God is saying, to hear the burden that he's put on your heart, and then for, to wait for the exact kairos moment opportunity because Nehemiah, he, he knew what he was supposed to do, but he actually waited. It says he waited until next spring. So he heard the call of God. It doesn't mean that you do something immediately. First Peter said you have to be ready always to give the, an answer for the hope that lies within you. And you have to wait for that right moment of time. And God one day positioned him. The king saw on Nehemiah's face how distraught he was about something. And the king actually asked him what troubled him. And that opened the door for the king to send Nehemiah with favor and blessing and money to go re rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. So I'm, I'm speaking prophetically to some of you in this place today that you are positioned in the right place for this right season. You just need to tune your ears to the Lord, tune your eyes to him. And in chapter 3, Nehemiah gets to, to uh, Jerusalem and he's inspected the walls and all of a sudden... 
bam, opposition. Many times you know that you're following the voice of God when you run headlong into opposition. And in chapter 3, I just want to read a few verses here. Verse 1, then Elisha, the high priest and the other priests, started to rebuild at the Sheep Gate. People from the town of Jericho worked next to them. The fish gate was built by the sons of Hassanah. Merimuth, the son of Uriah and grandson of Hakaz, repaired the next section of the wall. Beside him were so-and-so. Next to him were so-and-so. Next to them was this guy. Next to them then came this guy and this girl. And next down the line, next, 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 next. It seems like a really boring chapter until you realize that all of these families and people were positioned to rebuild sections of the wall next to each other, next to each other, next to each other, next to each other. Everyone had a place to build. No one was exempt. And the Lord is saying to you this morning, you have a position and a place on the wall. You have a place where you are supposed to build so that there are no gaps in the wall. Because if only a few of us in here are building, the wall is not complete. You actually have a responsibility. And the question isn't this morning, the question is not what, what is your calling? That, that's a great question. What is your spiritual gift? Those are great questions, but that's not the question today. God's already called you. Sometimes we make this so complicated. It's like what Paul says later on in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. You want to know what to do? Always be joyful. We take things and we twist them and we make them complicated. Spiritual gifts are great. Your specific calling is great. But here's the thing. If you're seated in this place today, unless you're a first-time guest, and maybe even you, you're already called. You're already family. You're already in this tribe called Church 214. And if you're here, you have a place at the wall. You have work to do. You're actually part of a functioning family. Like in our family, we have, we have chores that we do, right? And you do them. You don't get paid to do them, right? No, you don't. Yeah, Benny's like, no, I don't. <laughs> you do them because you're part of the family. But see, you have benefits to the family. Like, we have a lot of fun, don't we? We, we celebrate. We do all kinds of things. See, there's family celebrations like we had two weeks ago. And then there's today that I'm reminding you there's family chores to do. There's a place at the wall for you. See, in our, in our little Taves family, we have this saying. We say, work hard, play hard, serve hard. Work hard, play hard, serve hard. Do everything that you do as unto the Lord. Right, Pat? Everything that you do. There's nothing that you should be doing that's not unto the Lord. If you're miserable in your job, always be joyful. Change your attitude. Unto the Lord. And watch him move. When your attitude shifts, when you get off your pity party mat, come on. Because Jesus is there. He's, he's telling you, get up and walk. A lot of times we blame, we're like, oh, I'm praying about it. Don't blame it on God. He just told you, get up and walk. You're healed. Walk in your healing. Walk in your joy. 
I'm just having a bad day. Always be joyful. Do it as unto the Lord. And then watch everything just switch in your life. I can speak from a place of authority in this. Almost 20 years ago, I started working in an industry that I, I hated my job. Hated it. And then I saw this verse. Do everything as unto the Lord. And I switched my attitude. And the favor and blessing of God began coming on my life. And now I've developed relationships all over the world with people because, because I switched my attitude, changed my attitude. I got off my pity party mat and I walked. Work hard, play hard, serve hard. See, here's the thing, 214 family. You're next to a lot of people today. You're, you're with a lot of people today. This is your family. And you fight for your family. This is your tribe. This tribe, listen, we're all about the big C global church. That's important. We love, the, we will always love the big church. But this is your tribe first. You fight for the people alongside of you at the wall first. You notice the gaps and you fill in the gap for this tribe first. You battle for one another. You battle for others' marriages you battle for others' relationships. You sharpen and you encourage one another. And sometimes that means there's sparks. Iron sharpening iron is not pretty all the time. But that's what family does. And I will say this with love, but this church is not a country club. I can give you a list of places to go if you're looking for that. I'm not slamming any other place. I'm saying this is what we're called to is to fight and battle the gates of hell. I believe that's what God's called every church to, to storm the gates of hell, to battle for lost souls. There's people that are walking outside the streets here. There's people that are your neighbors that are going to hell. It's a real place for a long time. And that's your responsibility. That's my responsibility. We will fight and battle and cast out demons and darkness in this place. We are not going to gather here and spend a lot of our energy and time just so we can hang out and sing kumbaya. That's not what we're called to. We're called for more. And I will say this with a lot of love, but if you don't want to be here, we release you. I say that with so much love. But if you don't want to stay and fight with us, listen, trust me, it's horrible when people leave this family. It is gut-wrenching horrible to see people that you've bled and sweat with, fought with, leave the tribe. And yes, sometimes God does call people on, but more often than not, people bail because they're sitting on their mat, because they want comfort like David when they're supposed to go to war. I've seen it over and over again. People will leave, and a few weeks, a few months later, you see the repercussions of them staying in a place of comfort when they should have been in battle. And I love you too much to not preach this message. Instruct those who are not in their place in battle. Warn those who are out of place. Warn those who are unruly. Warn those who are disorderly. Now, please also hear the other side of the tension of this. There are seasons of rest. There are seasons of safety. 
there are seasons of shelter. And some of you, I know, because we've had conversations, are in that season. And that's good. And answer those crickets. And here's the thing, once you are healed from that season, we'll help you find your place on the wall. But this church will always be a place of refuge and safety. Amen? We will have people at the wall so that we can be a place of refuge and safety for those that need healing and comfort. So please understand my heart. But here's the question today. How's the rebuilding work going in your section? Or is there a noticeable gap in your section? See, the Holy Spirit's going to reveal to you where the gaps are in your life. And I would say that every single one of us has an area of the wall in our life, whether it's our marriage, our family that we're leading. Did you notice in Nehemiah 3, family, 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 family. Most of them were living in the place that they were building. If you don't know where to start, that's where you start, in your home. If your home's not strong, if your part of that wall is not strong, nothing else will be strong. Might be your marriage. There's all kinds of steps we can take in our marriage. It just takes one instant of choosing the wrong season to not go to the right place, and you have that Bathsheba moment. The strongest marriages in this place today need worked on. The strongest marriages need another level of bricks built so that wall is fortified. It might be fulfilling a commitment that you've made to this church family. It might be seeing the, the, the family next to you that's building and they're struggling. There's a gap in their wall and, and you need to help fill that gap. I don't want to put words in what the Holy Spirit is telling you, but he's telling you something today, probably many things. So the question is, what are you going to do about it? Notice who you're next to. Not necessarily physically in this building here, but the relationships you have in this place. Your neighbors that are not in this place, your coworkers that are not in this place. You have a responsibility to rebuild the walls to fill the gaps. Nehemiah 4, the next chapter, I just talked about this briefly, but many times when you face opposition, when you have opposition, you know you're on the right path. I love this because, you know, when the enemy is triggered, it's because the Spirit of God has walked in. So many times when, when you face something or, or see something demonic or um, you know, satanic, I would say. It's because you're carrying the Spirit of God and you've, the Spirit of God has bumped into that thing. So it's not that you should get scared of it, you should actually be excited about it. Because what's, who's in you is greater than he is in the world. So you've just disturbed what's been there for a long time, what's been entrenched. And that's part of the warfare I'm talking about. It's you care, being a carrier of Jesus, bumping into these demonic things because you're taking territory for the kingdom. You're saying, God, establish your kingdom. Wherever I go, may your kingdom be established because everything I'm doing is unto you. Nehemiah 4 verse 1 says this. Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. 
I love this. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think that they are doing? Do they think that they can build a wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think that they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? I mean, look at this opposition. They're just being mocked for doing the work of God. I know you can't relate to that, right? Tobiah the Ammonite who was standing next to him remarked, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked on top of it. <laughs> so awesome. I know you've never had anybody say to you, yeah, that work of God, it's pretty feeble. If a fox walked on there, it would just crumble. All the work that God's put in your heart, the desire he's put in your heart, Nehemiah, yeah, it's worthless. That's when you know you're on the right path. When the enemy is mocking you and saying that your life's work is worthless. Here's how Nehemiah responds. He says, then I prayed, hear us, God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads, and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger right here in front of the builders. Now remember, you pray the same thing, but remember your battle is against the demonic forces. Okay? It gets tricky because they might be attached to people. And that's where that sword is necessary to cut between soul and spirit. Nehemiah says in verse 6, At last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. But it continues. When Sanballat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, Ammonites, and Ashdodites heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. See, that's what the enemy does. He likes to confuse. He likes to separate the families at the wall, to cause gaps. Satan's like a roaring lion. But let's always remember this. He's a toothless lion. He can roar, but he's already been defeated. So he makes a lot of noise. He causes a lot of confusion. But that's where you and I have to stand up and say, no. I believe in one lion. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's conquered. And I stand in victory. And nothing you can say to me will oppose the work that God's going to do. We have to remind ourselves of that. Remind each other of that. So these enemies, they all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw them into confusion. But we prayed to God and we guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. You cannot stop guarding from the attacks of the enemy. And it worked a little bit. The, enemy, the enemy's voices were working a little bit. The people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired. Well, there's so much rubble to be moved. We'll never be able to build the wall by ourselves. See, that's why as soon as you hear the voice of the enemy, you have to cast it out. If you allow that chatter too long, all of a sudden you start to believe it yourself. You start to believe the lies of the enemy. Meanwhile, Nehemiah says our enemies were saying, before they know what's happened, we'll swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. 
Did you just hear that? The Jews that lived near the enemy. You either need to kick the enemy out or you need to move. If you're, if you're that close to hearing their, their garbage all day long, somebody needs, needs to move. Because they were being influenced by the enemy. And all of a sudden, they start repeating the very fear, the very lies that they were being told. They started believing themselves. Because they didn't cast them out. Nehemiah said, so I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. He protected the weakest parts. I stationed the people to stand guard by families, armed with swords, spears, and bows. And then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people, and I said to them, and here's what you're going to say to your enemies. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Church, it's time to take your place in battle. And I know many of you are already there in that place. And those that are, I want to encourage you. But those, there are gaps in each one of our lives that we need to step into and start, start rebuilding those walls, fortifying the walls, so that the chatter of the enemy cannot come against us. So that as soon as we're so steeped in the word of God, as soon as we hear the voice of the enemy, we say, no, that's not true. But here's what is true. That's what happened with Jesus in the, in the wilderness, remember? The, the enemy used scripture against Jesus, but then Jesus refuted it every time with truth. Because the enemy will be very clever. He'll take something that's true and he'll twist it just a little bit to make it look really attractive and good. That's why you have to be in the word. That's why you have to have your soul saturated with the word of God. Verse 15, Nehemiah 4. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. See, your enemies need to hear us declare about the glory of God. To hear, to be reminded they were defeated 2,000 years ago. There's nothing that can stand against us. That's why we gather together and we sing and we celebrate and we, and we declare. Declarations are so important. We declare what God has done and what he's going to do. Because the enemy hears it and they flee. But from then on, after we returned to our work on the wall, Nehemiah says, from then on, only half my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on their work, listen to this, with a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other. This is for you today. This is how you live in the tension of 2021. Hammer in one hand sword in the other. It's a tension. It's not one or the other. It's both. See, the hammer in one hand is to build up and encourage yourself, your family, your tribe, and the Lord to build that wall up. The sword in your other hand is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, to defeat the attacks of the enemy. It has to be both. That's the tension that we're called to. We build each other up with the hammer, with love and grace, but we also must have that sword of the Spirit the word of God, and we must draw that sword and we must swing that sword. Again, not to hurt people, but to cut off the demonic that's sometimes attached 
to them. So the battle might get bloody. But we do it with conviction and certainty, and we do it in love and grace. Hammer, sword. Does that make sense? We can simultaneously build up and carry love and also battle evil. Not only can we, that's our mandate. And we're living once again in the days of Nehemiah, where we are called to build the church of Jesus Christ, and we know the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We are called to take territory. See, it's us on the offensive. We're, we should be beating down the gates of hell. And we are by literally 307 Oak, by taking physical territory in the city, we've seen all kinds of demonic things stirred up. That is a good thing. We're taking physical ground. We're taking spiritual ground. That should be happening on your streets that you live on. That should be happening in your businesses that you work in. Instruct those who are not in their place in battle. It's time for us to take our place. Those gaps that the Holy Spirit's showing you right now, it's time to take your place as a soldier of Jesus Christ. Fill in the gaps. Benny, can you come up here? Jules? Sam? Moses, come up here. Ada. Why don't you guys just line up here? There we go. Perfect. How you guys doing? Good, man. You like this family talk so far? Pretty good. Pretty good. Here's the thing. See how you guys are next to each other? That's what I'm talking about today. This is a tribe. This is a family. Jules, come, come here for a second. See, if Jules steps away and isolates herself from you guys, there's a gap. And the enemy can get through there. But she's not going to do that, right? No. Your family. Did it make sense what I said about a hammer and a sword? See, with the hammer, you build up. You build your brother up. You build Benny up. You build Jules up. And with a sword, you cut away the things the enemy is attacking us, the principalities and powers. See, this is what Jesus did. Peter, remember Peter who started the church? There was one time where Jesus turned to Peter and he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. See, there's moments, Moses, where you might have to tell Benny, that's not of Jesus. Get behind me, Satan. That's the sword. That's cutting off principalities and powers. And there's other times, though, that you can say to your brother, man, I'm encouraging you. I've, I see so much love in you. I see what you're doing right here. I'm building you up. I'm building up the wall. Does that make sense? You're called to do both. You're called to build with love and grace, and you're called to carry that sword and cut away the enemy that's attacking your brothers and your sisters. Because everybody in this room, we're a family. We're a tribe. And sometimes when, when you bring out your sword and say, Benny, <laughs> get behind me, Satan, it might get a little ugly. 
No, it might, because to, to say to Benny that he's saying something demonic, that's, you have to have conviction that he's doing that, right? But we have to love each other enough to do that for each other, to build each other up in grace and love, and to cut the things off of others that the demonic is trying to attach to. Does that make sense? Okay, you guys can go. Thank you. Great job. In Ezekiel 22:30, it says this. I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall. This is, this is what the Spirit of God is asking of you today. I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. It's actually a really sad verse. I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so that I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. I think the Holy Spirit's asking us that again today. Are you willing to stand in the gap? This is your land. This is your territory. He's told Joshua, every step you take, I'm going to give it to you. You know, when Joshua went into the promised land, it was the land flowing with milk and honey. It was theirs to take. You know, he had 39 kings to defeat once he went in there. 39. The battle's not over. Victory was certain. The battle's not over. Are you going to stand in the gap for this family, for your family, for your marriage, for the next generations? I love you enough to tell you this. It's time to get off your mat. In whatever area the Spirit's telling you, just close your eyes for a moment here. See, this message... You, you have to understand my heart. I told Heather before this message. It's such a hard message to give because I, I love these people so much. And this is not meant to shame or guilt anybody. That's the, not the spirit behind this. This is instruction from the throne room. A warning from the throne room. Fill the gap. Fill the gap. See, the Lord disciplines those that he loves. He calls family meetings with those that he loves. And he says, guys, we're, we're in a season and a time of war. Do not bury your head in the sand. You have a place to take on the wall with a hammer in one hand, a sword in the other. That's your spot. And if you leave that spot, there's a gap. See, everyone in this place is needed so needed and it's a lie from the pit of hell that you are not needed that you are not called to that place in the wall you are called you are needed and if you leave that place there is a gap a large gap we can't have gaps in the family every single one of you is created to take your place in battle
just whatever the Holy Spirit's telling you right now, just resolve to take a step forward in that area, to step towards the wall. Maybe you need to do some building up with that hammer. Maybe you need to do some defeating of the enemy with that sword. See, this tribe around you, this 214 tribe, I'm telling you, it's the best people that you will find on this planet. The environment that you choose to spend your time in will determine your future. There's no amount of money in the world that could buy a tribe, a family like this. But we need you to take your place at the wall. And this family isn't perfect. We're, we're going to mess up. We've messed up many times. But I'll tell you this, we're going to go headlong after Jesus. As he approaches us every day on the shoreline and says, follow me, we're going to just drop everything and continue walking after him and walking after him and stepping forward together, stepping forward together. That's what we're called to do. Where he goes, we'll go. He's moving. He is shaking the earth right now. And I'm telling you, get excited about it. He is shaking the earth back to himself. He is recreating back to himself. Things are coming back into alignment. It might look a little crazy, but that's because he's shaking the demonic out of this place. Hell's starting to get chained down. It might not seem like it, but I'm telling you, there is a king on his throne in heaven and he is not worried about a thing. That sea of glass before him, it's not wave, there's no waves. It's just pure glass, pure calm, pure peace. But lightning is coming from the throne. Thunder is coming from the throne and it's shaking just like the first time when Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. He's doing it again. Boom. Lightning. Thunder. I'm shaking the earth. I'm bringing it back to myself. God, thank you, King Jesus. Man, thank you that we know the truth. And the truth has set us free. Thank you that you are the reigning, ruling king over this territory of Peoria, over our hearts, over this earth. And we welcome you back. We say, Lord Jesus, come. Invade every space. Cause us as your soldiers to stand up in this season and time and take our place in battle. To not be in the comforts of our home when we should be at war. Because we have, we have places to conquer. We have the promised land to conquer. We have enemies to take out. Not of flesh and blood but demonic agendas, things that oppose you, Jesus. We just, we just exalt you right now in this place. We lift you high. We let every idol fall in our lives. Everything that we brought into this place this morning, we just let it fall off. Would you shake us back to yourself? Would you winnow the chaff from our hearts back to yourself? Would you stand up? a lot of things the Bible says about the last days, but I'm going to tell you this one, Isaiah 2. Now it will come about 
in the last days. Come on, you get excited about this. The mountain of the house of the Lord, that's you, will be established as the chief of the mountains. You're gonna lead the world. You are gonna lead the world, not the other way around. And it will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. You know, you are so attractive because of the spirit of Jesus that you carry. Don't be ashamed of it, walk in that carry him well, honor him well, but people are attracted to you because they're like, I don't know what it is, you've got something. You're not afraid of what's going on in the world. You've got something in you. Yeah, that's the spirit of Jesus. You're gonna be established as the chief of the mountains, raised above the hills. All nations will stream to you, and many people will say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways, that we may walk in his path. Now, you are a blessed people. You are a blessed family. You are blessed because your eyes can see. You are blessed because your ears can hear. Now, I just, as you, as we sing this song together, as a blessing, it's the priestly blessing. I want you to receive it with your whole heart. Let the, let the world stuff fall off. Receive the joy of the Lord. Receive what, what you're coming to. There's a homecoming soon where this earth and you will be fully restored. It's not something to be scared of. We've, we've been too scared of it. <laughs> it's not something to be scared of. It's, it's going to be your best day on earth forever. And you're going to be putting authority over places and things. You are right now. You're the chief of the mountains. Chief of the mountains. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of generations, his love for a thousand generations. As a band, we rehearse on Thursdays, every Thursday, and it's been just such a sweet, beautiful time of worship that we can just kind of be by ourselves here in the presence of the Lord and prepare our hearts for what the Lord is going to do and what he's going to speak to all of us collectively. And um, I'll keep it quick because we do want to get into this song where we sing blessing over you all. Um, after run through on Thursday, I was just sitting on the carpet praying and I very clearly heard the Lord say, we are live, we are no longer on standby. And I wrote it down, and then I looked up what the definition of standby is, and there were a couple that I felt were very pertinent to this house and the people in this house. Standby, ready for duty or immediate deployment, in operational mode in which the power is switched on, but the appliance is not actually functioning. And the Lord said, we are live, we are no longer on standby. And this is what he said to me. It's like we're a car and the power's on, but it's in neutral, it's in idle. And all the parts and the engine that's in the car, it's ready. It's ready to utilize and realize the power that is inside of it, but it's sitting in neutral, so it's not actually getting to fully realize and operate in its intended design and make. 
And there are areas of our lives that have been put on standby, just like Chris was saying. We have forsaken parts of our destiny and they're on standby when really we should be operating because the Lord has deposited that power already inside of us. And as the church, we've historically gotten really good at talking the talk and using like the correct language and saying really good like scriptural foundational truth but I do feel <laughs> that over the years the church had lost the ability to actually practice what it was preaching and that's why we saw the world just completely fall apart before our eyes the last 18 months but this is what the Lord is saying now it's time to walk it out practice what you preach you have been concerned with self-preservation and concerning conserving energy and resources and time and money as you've been on standby but the lives of my laid down lovers that's us the people who love Jesus the lives of my laid down lovers looks like sacrifice the lives of my activated soldiers looks like a readiness to die and give up their life for the sake of something greater than themselves you have this is the lord is saying to you now you have crossed a threshold of transition and this new season that you are in requires my people to be people of action and activation you were all already enlisted now you have been deployed we are live. We are no longer on standby. This is real. Matthew 10, red letter text. Jesus says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out devils. That is not a metaphor. That is real life, words of Jesus, instruction to his people. And it applies to us today. And that is the realm and the destiny of the church of Jesus Christ. It's your destiny, it's my destiny. Take hold of it. And when you do, when you step wholly into that and fully into that, the blessing and the favor of the Lord will come upon you in ways that you never ever would have thought. You never would have thought possible. He will take you places in your destiny, in your future that you would have never planned for yourself. You will meet people. You will be put in places of influence and in rooms that you never deserve to be in because you're following wholly after the Lord and you're a laid down lover and you're willing to do anything for him. That's what God will do for his people if we lay it down and we actually begin to operate in the power that he's put inside of us. So Lord, I just thank you. As we begin this last song, I just, I just declare that the promise and the prophecy that you spoke over this church and over this house would come to pass, Lord, that we would no longer be on standby, but that we would step into live, real action, war and battle, and that we would um, accept our deployment and be ready for the things that you have for us, Lord, and that we would with open hands receive the favor that you have waiting for us as we let go of all other pursuits and let go of all other loves and we claim you as our first love once again Jesus